Hey everybody, Mark Ahrensberg here with The Pure Now Show. This is episode number six. My guest today on the show is Kit Ong. Kit is a social impact creator and filmmaker who hails from Malaysia. Kit is very passionate about producing work that affects other human beings. We had a great conversation and I'm excited to share it with you. Here we go. Hey, Kit. Hey, Thanks Mark. so much for being on the Pure Now show with me. It's really great to have you on. Appreciate it. You're from Malaysia originally, correct? Yes, I'm Malaysian. Okay. Uh, I worked in uh, Vietnam for a while and I was in China too. And before Vietnam and China, I was based in Malaysia. Uh, I'm back here in Malaysia right now. Okay. Well, you're a highly celebrated, award-winning, creative professional, and uh, that's why we have you on the show uh, we know that you have a lot of interesting stories to tell, and you have an incredible body of work and uh, clientele. Firstly, what we're interested in most is what was that spark? How did this all begin for you as a young person to gravitate towards getting into the creative world versus anything else? I think for any creative person, I feel the first spark comes from the acknowledgement that you are creative and you choose to pursue a creative career. But I've got to say, everyone is creative. The only thing is, for a creative person to have made a decision to say, I'm going to turn this into a career that puts you in a different uh, place, whereby you're chasing after something on a purpose. So I guess for me, that's the first part. When I realized that when I acknowledged myself to be a creative person and I wanted to have a career that allows me to tap into my creativity. But before you even could come to that conclusion, what were those things that happened for you that put you on that path? Uh, I have to say uh, what we used to call the idiot box, the TV. That was my, uh, my world into what's possible uh, because you can be sitting in your living room but this box allows you to travel to so many different places and of course in that world in between a TV series you have uh, commercial breaks and you tap into all that you get entertainment you get education you get edutainment and in between you get this world of advertising where it can also be entertaining and creative so I would say my first entry or realization of uh, this creative world is through the TV. Also the, the other mediums that were available to us back then. So things like that, I think informed me that there's a world that's quite fun, that's very different from the real world that you can participate in. Was there a defining moment? Was there that one event you were watching something or you heard something that that clicked with you and and that's what you wanted to do. You saw something and that was the, the initial inspiration for you to start heading down this road. I think it'd be hard to pinpoint a, an exact moment, but I would say it was like a accumulation of uh, information that made me see that that's, that's a world I want to be involved in. So not, not in a particular moment, but an accumulation of experiences that informed me of uh, this decision that I made. My dad used to bring me to cinemas and I think uh, very likely my first movie was Bambi. That's what I can remember. 
and I wanted to be part of that world. I thought that was amazing. Someone created that thing on screen, and I was totally absorbed into the movie. And、uh, you just don't want to leave that world. So I made it a point to to be part of that as much as I can, ever since I was young. Yeah. What steps did you take to start putting you in that direction? How did you, you know, leverage school or whatever education that you got to start accumulating the tools that you would need to get to where you are now? I think that's a really good question because in Malaysia, I have to say the、uh, education back then and perhaps even the system right now does not encourage one to to think creatively.、Uh, it's very much a An education system that forces you to remember facts and to know figures. So I would say you have to rely on yourself to be informed. So I can park aside the、uh, Malaysian education system, unfortunately. So what I did was I went to the public library to get as much information as possible through friends I knew and、uh, family friends to gather as much information as possible about. The kind of options available for a creative person back then.、Uh, obviously, right now you have、uh, the internet, and it's so much easier to to get information. Uh, but uh, back in the days,、uh, yeah, the public library. But I feel you have to initiate that move. You're the one who's gonna be doing this, so you have to make the move. Whether it's the internet or you know. The public library back then, you have to take the initiative to gather the information to be as informed as possible, and to make a decision on which part of the creative industry you want to get involved in. What did you do with that information? How did you take that accumulation and start putting it to work for you? My first、uh, reaction wasn't to enter the world of advertising. To be honest. I wanted to be a filmmaker for the longest time. I was since Bambi, so I want to be a filmmaker. And、uh, I gathered information. I、uh, told myself I needed to be aware of、uh, the environment, Malaysia, at that period of time. And what I understood back then was that if I chose to be a filmmaker, and there was no real film school in Malaysia back then, and my parents are not well to do. So that option, even if there was a school that I could go to, my parents couldn't have afforded it. So I chose the next best option, which I thought was advertising, where I can do mini films.、Uh, although it's quite different, I could have gone to a production house, which I wasn't very aware back then. But yes, I, I decided to enter the world of advertising to learn how to make mini films, commercials. And when the time was right, I told myself then whatever I've learned from advertising. To go out and pursue my filmmaker dream, so that's what I did. Tell me about your first experience. What was it like to actually, again, take all of this information, all this knowledge that you gained, all this study, and, and put that into what's going to be your passion, what you're going to develop for yourself? What I did was,、uh, I knew I was in a, a tougher spot. Because I realized that my parents couldn't pay for an education, even advertising. So what I did was, I was probably naive, but I told myself, at a certain point in time, when、uh, the time was right, I would just create my own advertising, my own perception of what I think is good advertising, and I would take that that work, and I would just walk into an agency and、uh, share them with the. 
creative people there and hope that they think uh, I'm good enough to be a part of them. And uh, to be honest, that's what happened. I was, I was actually very naive. I think uh, maybe it doesn't happen all the time. So I look at some newspaper advertising back then, I remember, and I thought some of the ads were not so good and I thought I could do better. So I did my version of what I thought was, was the better ones. And I went to uh, an agency in Malaysia when they were looking for help and I just walked in and I told the receptionist that I'll be back the next day with more ads. So I just dumped the work there in an envelope and I told them I'll be back the next day. So when I was back there the next day, the creative director told me that uh, he kind of liked the stuff that I, I, I did and I guess he probably thought, you know, this kid just walking in and dumping stuff. So they took me in and that's how I started. But before that, I, I tried various ways and I, I wasted a lot of time and I was quite dejected to be honest because uh, I remember one particular case whereby I, I saw an ad and it says uh, looking for copywriters or something like that. And they had a PO box number and you submit your, your application. I was like 19 back then and I, I did some stuff. I, I, I think I mailed them like uh, 40 times, something ridiculous like that. I spent quite a bit of money on postage, uh, mailed them like 40, 40 times. And I remember the last thing I did was, I did a, a voice recording. Uh, back then you have cassettes. So I recorded my voice pleading for a job. Uh, no reply. So I was very dejected. I felt horrible back then and I was like 19. But I told myself somehow I had this naive idea that somehow I belong and uh, by the time I'm 20, I'll, I'll get into advertising. I feel at 20, I'll get in at 21. For some strange reason, that I cannot recall now. I, I remember that it's either 20 or 21. Somehow I'm going to make it. And my mom and dad, particularly my mom, they were really angry with me, especially my mom. Uh, because I was lazing around the house, you know, not doing much except thinking that when it's time, when it's time. And they were like, get out, you know, do something. And my uncle forced me to, to take up a job. And I, I was just telling them, you just have to wait. Allow me to to do this thing. They they were very frustrated, but I was naive. I was uh, absorbed into this thing which seemed like destiny or fate, and uh, I just went with it. And looking back, I have to say it, it's quite an incredible story because I don't know how often something like this happens. I guess I gave myself no choice. And I totally believe that you know, this thing could happen. So I, I just did it. Well, think about what Quite your primary influence is. Walt Disney. I mean, come on. Dreams come true. Yeah. Pers persistence. You knew true. already. Very you true. You knew more than what your parents knew. You knew where you were going. They didn't know where you were going. But you knew that you had to wait to get to where you needed to be at a particular time. And, and that's a fascinating story. When you are in the know... But you can't convey that to anybody else because only you know what you know about you. Yes, yes, I did. Because I I guess, like I was saying earlier, I, I gave myself no choice because uh, I wasn't good in school and I totally wanted a career in advertising or specifically in the creative industry because that was part of the plan, you know, get into advertising then, get out and become a filmmaker, which happened. So I gave myself no choice, no option. 
no plan B. And again, I think it's probably based on you know being naive. First into advertising, then into films, and it's still incredible to realize that both things happen, and I'm I'm still doing my films. So that's quite quite a crazy thing. You were just so focused, and you were so absolutely knowing what you wanted to do that there was nothing that was going to stop you anyway. So that is fascinating, being a young person, you know, 20 years old, but knowing exactly what next steps were going to be and when to take them. So you obviously were downloaded the good information and you trusted it 100% and <laughs> followed the lead, as it were. So here you are now, uh, a very accomplished, internationally recognized creative professional with the destiny to prove it. You were on the path and you were ready to take the invitation and do whatever it took. So you roll into this place, you dump a bunch of work on their table and they bring you in. How does that start you down the road to really getting to where you want to be? So uh, that was my first uh, agency. I was a junior writer there and uh, I was there for only six months uh, because I was in a rush. I've always had this urgency to, to do things uh, as fast as I can. And I thought uh, that place wasn't fast enough for me. I've gone to uh, many agencies since, and each time I look at it as actually just one experience in advertising. We may stick with one company for X number of years, or we may go from agency to agency. But for me, I, I, I saw it as it's always one place, being the advertising industry. And I chased after the brands that I wanted to work with, and. We talk about culture in agencies, maybe back then not as much. So I, I ran to agencies where I've heard of, uh, you know, the people were nicer. And I think that's really important. And you discover culture later, but it was more the people you want to work with and brands that you wanted to work for. So those were the things I chased. And of course, if you do the right stuff, uh, then, uh, you know, you win some awards those uh, shiny trophies they help you too but it was more the experience uh, I really chased for the experience of doing something fresh each time because for the people I was working in the agencies they were in love with advertising I have to say I'm, I'm not someone who's uh, in love with advertising I believe that it would help me when I want to be a filmmaker and it, it does it has always helped me so my intention was different. So while I was doing interesting work in the ad industry, I was actually informing myself and absorbing info that I can use when I become a filmmaker. So the trajectory is, is different. So I, I can't say that, you know, the journey I had in advertising is because of, you know, a love for for doing ads. This might piece off quite a number of folks in advertising, but uh, that's that's who I am and my intention is just to learn, to equip myself. You're listening to The Pure Now Show, a creative podcast for creatives presented by Balance. It was a prerequisite course for you that you set up for yourself. Correct. Although that was not your passion, but only a gateway to where you wanted to go. Give me some story of an amazing project you did work on that regardless of your passion or lack thereof you still got to do some incredible work that did later maybe show up in some way in your filmmaking but you you had this one project that really it felt like you were doing the right thing and going in the right direction one of the recent things that i 
I've done, uh, especially when I was in Vietnam. The reason I went to Vietnam was because uh, we all know about Vietnam through, you know, the Vietnam War and you know, pop culture and all that. But I've never been there before prior to, to working there. So I had this picture of what Vietnam was like inside my head. And I'm a Malaysian Chinese. So when I was in China, I, I can speak some Chinese. So it wasn't totally alien. And I chose Vietnam because it was actually totally alien to me besides what I, I found from uh, pop culture. And I wanted to be in an unfamiliar place. So when I went to Vietnam, I really liked the idea of being in a place that was unfamiliar. I couldn't speak the language, I couldn't understand a lot of things. And that's fresh. And that helped me to create, I think, some of my most interesting work that I can recall. I was at a phase whereby I, I wanted to, to do advertising that's useful rather than something that's just information. I, I wanted to create ideas and stories that you can actually hold and touch and, and use. So there were a couple of campaigns uh, that my team and I uh, were doing in Vietnam that I thought were fulfilling those things that I wanted or fit into this idea of useful advertising. So there was uh, an idea to help children in the highlands, school children. They were not washing their hands before they, they eat. That caused uh, you know, having worms. And when we found out later, uh, there was this insight that uh, informed us that also because uh, there was not enough soap to wash hands with. So we created a sculpture that's made of soap. So imagine a pink elephant, uh, quite a large one, and it's a fountain. So from the elephant's trunk, uh, it shot water out and at the sides there were also water so the kids can actually rub on the on this pink elephant soap and wash their hands. I thought that was quite interesting and it was a useful idea as an example. There was also another case whereby there are all these seasonal floods in Vietnam, especially in the Mekong Delta area. It happens every year without fail and as we we know or we might know that there are a lot of rivers in uh, Vietnam and from the rubbish or uh, you know plastic thrown into the rivers uh, that becomes a problem. So we had an idea where we killed two birds with one stone. We asked uh, farmers and uh, the villagers who will be affected to not throw away their plastic bottles. We use this uh, plastic bottles as a flotation device and we created a life jacket where you can insert the empty plastic bottles to help keep you afloat during the flood. So ideas like that. So those were ideas I, I felt were useful and uh, obviously, you know, they help some people. We, uh, we cannot help a lot of people. I think that's, to be honest, not something that's uh, maybe possible. But I hope those ideas help uh, a certain group of people for that period of time. So I enjoyed doing those uh, with my team. Well, I think your social consciousness is maybe one of the key factors here in how your journey started with you knowing what you needed to do because you were going to do things that were very helpful. Clearly, some information was instilled in you because you've been kind of an instrument of getting things right for people, helping them. Not everybody's doing that. It's a handful of people in the world that are helping the rest of the world. So it's really pretty fascinating that your journey has taken you down this path of 
of wanting to do the right thing, of seeing opportunity where you can influence and make life better for people. And then at the same time, still doing what you want to do. I mean, that's the trade-off, right? You're not doing something to help someone to get something for yourself, but it is part of the payback of getting to live the life that you want, doing the kind of work that you want. And of course, it's a pleasure to, to help people, to give them something unexpected, something they deserve to have, and which is not common in the world. That's why the world is so sick. How did it occur to you that you could do these kinds of things and have this kind of influence? I think one is personality. I, I feel creativity can be broken up in, in parts, you know, like being a stand-up comic. The way they see the world when they stand on a stage and they can find humour and everything. Uh, I think sometimes that's not based on creativity, it's based on personality. So I feel a part of my creativity comes from personality. And perhaps uh, there's uh, something in me that, that believes in creativity for good. So I embark on that. And as for the opportunities in Vietnam, I feel whenever we are in a place that's unfamiliar and we have an intent to, to learn and to participate, we will arrive at a place whereby we can use all that information to create. When I first landed in Vietnam, I noted down the things that were fresh to me. And from that list, I tried to take off as many as possible that I can turn them into ideas. Because one thing about being a creative person is that sometimes we're so immune to, to things around us. There are blind spots everywhere. And we take things for granted. And we don't see stories and ideas that, that are right in front of us anymore. Because they're like blind spots. So being in a familiar place and uh, having to, to start all over again I feel that forces you to, to see opportunities. So in Vietnam, I saw all these opportunities, the same when I was in Shanghai. Even though I'm Chinese-Malaysian, I've never been to China, so it was like a, an alien world to me too. So I constantly remind myself I need to be an outsider even in Malaysia. Uh, I have to be an expat in my own country so that I can see things that, that are right in front of me and I can find a fresh perspective to them. So that's what I found in, in Vietnam. You can either travel physically to a place or you can actually travel you know, through books or, or watching a certain program or whatever. But I, I feel travel is important, whether physically or not. You started to talk a little bit about China and you've had some really interesting international experiences uh, creatively. Tell me what it was like for you working in China. So like I was uh, saying, uh, you know, I'm Chinese, uh, but I can't speak Chinese very well. So when I was in China, it was like an alien world to me when I was first there in 2008. The world was going through the global financial crisis and I find myself in China and they seem to be uh, doing well. I, uh, I remember seeing uh, people queuing up at the uh, LV buying, uh, you know, luxury handbags uh, in cash uh, while the whole other part of the world was suffering. So it was strange. And I remember thinking to myself, my ancestors left China to seek a better life. And myself, including all other, you know, Malaysians, Singaporeans, uh, you know, or people from elsewhere, going to China to seek a better, better life during that period of time. So it was that shift was uh, was so striking. 
So when I was first in China, uh, again, just like my experience in Vietnam, and I was an expat first in China before I went to Vietnam. So that was when I found myself to be this special place whereby you have to start all over again. You may be equipped with certain skills, certain experiences that can uh, help you get through doing certain kind of work. But I feel you're still getting all this new information, insights you don't know. So you have to really tune up your sensitivity. And that's another thing that I feel is important to a, a creative person's arsenal of uh, you know weapons. You have your personality and you also need to tap into your sensitivity. Especially in a place your your stranger. So when I was in China and then also in Vietnam, I had to, to be very sensitive. I, I had to make sure my antenna uh, is tuned to a sensitivity whereby I can pick up things that are useful for for the work that I, I have to do. So you try to to see things that maybe someone else, even a native, will, will miss. So you use it. So I really tapped into that when I was in China. I came to a realization I need to tap into this, tap into my personality, uh, make sure I'm sensitive to, to a lot of information that's around me. And strangely, I feel sometimes creativity, you don't rely on it as much and it becomes a, a mix and match. You use part of your sensitivity, you, you use part of your personality, then you use your creativity to, to do stuff. So I feel those those things are important. What was maybe one of your most memorable projects that you worked on when you were in China? It was for a pretty big campaign uh, for the North Face. So back then, uh, 2008-2009, I recall back then, the client wanted to get the young generation to go out, explore the countryside, because that's where the brand is, uh, you know, has its place. Go to the mountainside, be comfortable in your North Face gear. But not a lot of Chinese were doing that back then. And what we wanted to do was to demonstrate the idea of conquering space. Because uh, what I realized back then was that, perhaps it's true even now, the fact that there, there is this human need to conquer things. And in China, back then, uh, there was this idea that, you know, since you like to own things. You have a materialistic uh, mindset. Perhaps we can tap into that to say you can conquer this place and you can name it after yourself. So we created a game whereby you can conquer China. So back then, technology was not as advanced as today. So you have to go out. If you are the first person to tap that space, to own that, that radius, then you can name it and you continue to go out further and further because you know you have competition so the further you go the the more space you conquer then your name is is everywhere and you run out of space soon enough because you have other players so you will need to force yourself to to leave your comfort zone and you have to go outside the city so that was uh, the insight we got and uh, that's the thing that we created and that campaign was uh, very successful won the, the client quite a number of awards yeah that was quite fun too yeah I bet so that's 2008 and how long were you in China? I did two stints in China 
I was there from 2008 to 2010. Then I came back to Malaysia for a year. I left for Vietnam end of 2011. I stayed in Vietnam until uh, I think 2018. And after that, I was in Shanghai. And I only came back to Malaysia end of uh, 2020. And that was after you left China. You hooked up with Kevin Lee in 2008 when we were in Ogilvy, Shanghai. All was fun to find a partner. Can you know find common ground in the things that you like, and for each partner to have different kind of strengths, so you can really build on on that and you know create bigger things. I think having different strengths, and if uh, you can work together without ego, that's a fantastic kind of partnership. So we worked together uh, when I first landed in uh, in China in 2008 to 2010. Then we worked together again uh, when I went back. To join him uh, in this independent agency, and you guys still connect? Not as much, but uh, we try. Yeah. Tell me about how the pandemic—it's kind of an unavoidable subject—but how has that impacted your life? Uh, not only from a professional standpoint, but a personal standpoint. And how do you how do you juggle the whole personal and business thing? Because uh, You know, even though you're loving what you're doing, it's still work, and you have to dedicate a lot of time to it and, and create some sense of balance in your life. And I know that the pandemic has been the disruptor of balance, even though things are probably completely out of balance, and it's requiring this to actually shake us back into some balance. How has this played a significant role in, in your life as of late? You know, we've always watched maybe movies about worldwide catastrophe and.、Uh... We kind of imagine like you know zombie apocalypse, like how would we function? Will we survive? So this is our zombie apocalypse in a, in a way. I feel possibly only two ways to react to it. One is、uh, you fear everything, or the other is you have to adapt. And I think it's a mixture of both、uh, for me. I I fear for my family safety and mine as well because we. Depend on each other to to take care of each other. So that's where the fear comes in. Whether we'll be healthy, whether we'll be safe. So on a personal level, that's the big question mark. On a professional level, I feel, for me strangely, I see it as a wake up call. You know, for a creative person or for any any other person, to be honest, facing a pandemic does not wake you up to do the things that you really want to do. Then <laughs> I don't know what will. It's really life and death situation. If you don't look at this as a the reason to pursue that that thing you you've been putting off another day next year, and you have a five year plan, I, I don't think you have a five year plan anyway that will work. So I feel you, you gotta wake up, you gotta use it to to push yourself to do something. We are suffering financially. We are suffering from mental health issues. But the only way out of this, I feel strangely, is outside of、uh, you know a person's religion. You can actually really tap into your creativity. In times of、uh, distress, I feel, in my case, creativity has helped. You really need to go back to it and see how that can actually get you out of the rut. And I I force myself to to use this pandemic in that way. To be honest, Mark. I came back to Malaysia without a job、uh, because I 
I wanted to come back because my parents are old and I'm the eldest and my, my daughter has graduated from Shanghai uh, High School so we came back and I landed a job and then that company told me uh, in just three short months I was with them that they were being absorbed into uh, another company and there's no role for me so I lost that job in three months so I, I'm I'm jobless right now but I, I look at it as uh, you know yeah it's a bummer but I I, I gotta get something out of this situation because the other way will be to be depressed to be to be down to to feel this weight that's gonna just take you down even further I, I chose to to see it the other way because you know right from the beginning when I was younger how I got into advertising is you, you just block out everything else and just focus on this possibility no matter how tough that might seem or unbelievable that it might seem so I, I chose to block those things out and just focus on I'm going to use this because I mean the pandemic is using us we're drying out financially and emotionally so if it's going to use us this way I'm going to use it back like revenge I'm going to use it to, to get something I want. Well, you can leverage it. I mean, crisis is the great revealer, right? It really shows who we are from a human standpoint yeah. and, and, and shows how we operate. And, and it's a test as far as I'm concerned. It's a test to see how we resolve yeah. around this, how we react or respond appropriately, what we do with the opportunity. Because I do see it as an opportunity, regardless of all the pain and suffering that it causes on the other side of this can be immense growth, of course. And you now also get this really amazing time with your family that is being imposed on you in some ways. Yeah, yeah, to maybe, you know, look at things from that angle. I mean, it's depressing. I'm not, you know, sugarcoating it, not like that at all. Yeah. But you, you have a choice. Fortunate that I have some savings, but also using the free time yes to spend time with my family and also to pursue the filmmaking again to do social impact work and to focus on those things you're listening to the pure now show a creative podcast for creatives presented by balance two more questions one is if you weren't doing what you were doing what might you want to be doing other than what you were doing that's a very tough one because it's it's almost like, uh, you know, there's nothing else I, I really want to do. Perhaps uh, to write stories, if I cannot make them in uh, audio-visual form, then I'll, I'll just write. I really like the medium of uh, you know, audio and visual. Uh, that's such a powerful, magical medium. It's going to be a very tough choice, but I would still find a way to, to make sure I, I get to do my films. Because that's part of the power of creativity. In fact, the more you're, you're limited in terms of uh, you know, resources, you really tap into your creativity. You, you somehow need to feed that desire and you find whatever way to just fulfill it. The more you, you limit in terms of censorship or budget or whatever, the more you find a way to, to create. I think that's the beauty of having a, a creative ambition this realization of the power of creativity you go back to creativity to get yourself out of that, that hole and you just have to make it happen because for me just like the pandemic 
It's a question of mortality. We are all human. We're all going to die. So no need to bitch about it. You have to just do the thing that you think you're supposed to do here. Just get it done, man. No excuses. Everybody's creative, of course. Everybody is. And it's interesting that only a few out of the herd really get to discover that. And there's people sitting under fluorescent lights and cubicles who I'm sure would love to be painting or drawing or making movies or writing or anything other than what they're doing that they've been essentially forced to think that they have to do just to survive, which is a very sad state of being. And I I would imagine this is the greatest suffering of the world is that we are not being creative. Those of us who have not found that or not been offered that opportunity to explore that it's got to be the worst part of living because that's what we are. We're expressive beings. We're nothing but filled with creativity. And it's just a matter of how does it come out and what do we do with that? And so the fact that you have this knowing path, that you were on this path and you knew minute by minute what you needed to do to ensure that you could achieve what you wanted to achieve and live the life that you want is inspiring to others. And unfortunately, so many young people are falling through the cracks, not identifying themselves as creative people, being told there's one thing, imposed all this information, advertising, if you will, even, on who they're supposed to be or what they should be doing. And that takes away all their original thought and who they showed up as. And it's refreshing for me to hear you tell a story of you not allowing your outside influences to change your mind and that you were steadfast in ensuring that you were going to do what you want to do. And I I hope that story resonates with people, especially the younger people, and, and that they take a second look at what they're doing, what they're feeling, thinking and saying, and really maybe examine if they're on the path that they want to be on. Yeah, I mean, for me, Living in an era where Marvel cin- Cinematic Universe uh, was so familiar with the idea of superheroes having mutant powers, I feel creativity is the original mutant power. You know, it's such a powerful thing. We can all be magnetos. And I think it's, it's to realize that you are a mutant. You are different. You are strange. It's okay. Embrace it and use it. Because I feel that's such a powerful thing. That's that's your mutant power. That's your real mutant power. To acknowledge yourself to be different, you're strange, you're, you're seen as weird, that's okay. That's real power. But if you let other people say that, hey, you're strange, you're weird, or you're not creative because uh, the school you went to uh, told you that creativity is it's about the ability to draw or the ability to write but you're funny you know you're able to crack the whole classroom up that's that's creativity or the fact that you're great with numbers I think that's creativity too you're able to see something you're, you're able to see gaps that others can't see so creativity does not mean it's just being an artist I think scientists need to be creative to be honest you need to to be able to to ask questions that a non-creative mind may not be able to ask. So, you, you really need to embrace your mutant power and just live one life 
so why waste it? Don't be a frustrated engineer or whatever. This is the time to chase it, man. If you don't, well, no one's going to do it for you. Well, as far as I know, we're one-lifers, all of us. Everything from crawling to flying. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know anything about coming back or going someplace else. This is it for me. And if I don't take advantage of this opportunity, this particular one, I don't believe is coming back. And Mark, just one more thing about creativity itself. I feel it's a survival instinct, to be honest. I, I feel it's something that we developed when we were cavemen. You know, creating tools. We're not talking about cave paintings. We're talking about creating tools for survival. So creativity is actually just, to me, survival instinct. It's the most basic survival instinct that humans have. Right. It's a way to get out of problem, find a solution. Well, you're talking about critical thinking, which has been kind of eradicated in the world. Yeah. Uh, because we've been dumbed, right. dumbed down to think we don't know anything when we just don't re-member anything because all that good information that we come with has been replaced with by this manufactured reality and people are just simply lost. They don't even know who they are anymore because of this picture that they have of themselves that's been painted by somebody else. Yeah. And I think it's also very important, at least for me, to introduce something that's taboo into into my system. You know, there are always things that you like, movies that you like, so you watch those, you read books that you like. But I think part of creativity is introducing something taboo. So you pollute your system. It's like introducing a virus of information. So that virus infects everything else or, or pollute your, your whole entire system and suddenly you get fresh thinking. So if we only eat the things we eat, like to eat, you know, go to places we like to go and you, you're not going to be informed by fresh thinking. You're not introducing anything new into your system. But you don't have to finish a whole plate of things that you don't like to eat, but you know, taste it. You don't have to read a magazine that you don't like all the way through, but no harm in just finding out. Because once you introduce this bit of information that's never there before, it does amazing stuff. So for me, I think that's part of being a creative person too. It's not to be closed off to, to the outside world because creative people like to mingle with our own kind. You, you only watch advertising because you're in the industry and your world is confined to, yeah, I, I know everything about advertising. I know on what page of the DNAD yearbook, who won what award. I mean, Maybe that's not the point, you know. The point is you absorb as much information about the world as possible. I mean, mingle with real people, not just people from a certain segment and only read things that you like to read or just absorb information that's, that's you. I, I think that's not so smart. We were talking about getting out of your comfort zone and it's critical for you to grow because exposing yourself to the same behaviors and same yeah. ideas and concepts over and over again does not stimulate any new development of new cells and new neurons and new ways of approaching something so it is important and, and like you mentioned even the pandemic is one of these things to test us to see if we will decide to do something different to make different choices or will we go down the same path and just keep stumbling in our foolishness and everything is a test. To expose yourself to a different group of people or different information only inspires more. So 
there's comfort in the discomfort eventually. Yes, yes. Diversity is good. Things that you think because of your beliefs, you're not supposed to know. But as a creative person, if you allow that to go into your system and still be be a good person, you know, still still be you. But in the work that you do creatively, you can do something a lot more interesting. I mean, Stephen King, you know, he writes about people getting killed by clowns. But, you know, he's not a serial killer, at least to our knowledge. And, right. you know, David Cronenberg, he, 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 he makes a certain kind of films when he was younger. Hopefully, he, he's not that person in real life. So, you are allowed in your creative space to, to absorb taboo information. I, I mean, this is my own personal feeling. And if I, you know, offend anyone, uh, apologize. But I think as a creative person, that helps. But it does not turn you into a monster or make you into a, a bad person. You simply don't allow that, that thing to change you, but you use it. Well, it actually has helped people exercise their own personal demons by having this expression, whether it's writing or filmmaking. Everybody's just a matter of degrees of this or that. We're all in the same soup. We're all suffering. We're all having joy. We're all going through all the motions. So these creative outlets are definitely ways for us to deal a lot with some of that too, uh, to keep us so we don't become those things that we can get that out in a different form and not take that on yeah. as part of who we are. It's a lot safer, frankly, to get it out that way than to really be the killer clown. It's like, ah, I'll just write about the killer clown. I don't have to be the killer correct, clown. Correct, correct. One of my fears being a, a creative person is as you get older and, you know, the industry speeds you up. For example, you know, you're, you're too old or whatever, and then they think, uh, yeah, you're, you're no longer needed as much and you feel kind of like uh, you're on your own and uh, you're, you're not allowed to or to have the license to create anymore. I think that's something that you should never put yourself into because for me, my fear is that you're not allowed to create anymore because an industry tells you so. I feel that that's not the power you, you should hand over to someone else. So because you acknowledge yourself as a creative person and you have to complete your journey. Otherwise, you're, you're the most frustrated person in the whole world. I feel creative people have this need to vomit out their, their work in whatever form that they you know, create in. So if you can't vomit this, this thing out of you, man, you might turn into that killer clown. You know? yeah, so you, sure. you have to get it out of your system yeah. and don't allow anyone to tell you that you can't or you shouldn't just because you either have uh, something that does not conform to an industry standard anymore and that's happening so I feel you, you have to find an outlet whether it's a songwriter or used to be someone who works in an ad industry or whatever you, you need to find another outlet so you can continue on that, that creative journey because you'll be frustrated you're going to be a nuisance to your family you're going to be angry. So that's not healthy, man. And we yeah. talk about mental health so much uh, nowadays. And I feel you just need to get it out. And you need to hold on to something that allows you to, to be creative.
Creativity is a cleanse. It is getting things out of you so you can run smoother. How would you advise uh, young, young people today who are coming up in the creative industry? What advice would you give them? First, once you realize that you're a creative being, uh, you all are, uh, once you acknowledge it and you accept it, determine which field you want to put your focus on. It can be more than one because it's so energy stepping and it can be very emotionally draining too because your family and friends may not know why you want to do this but to have that focus is important even if it's more than just one thing because there are more options available to, to a young person today once you determine that this is what you're good at or this is what you want to do be honest because honesty I feel will tell you whether you're actually any good at it. You might be not such a good fashion designer, but you're, you're a great songwriter. So if you're not focusing on the right thing, you might be an okay fashion designer when you could have been a great something else. So I feel that focus is so important to be able to filter through your own honesty. No one says no to money. I think money is important. It pays for stuff, it buys you nice shiny stuff and you can be very happy you know when you're surrounded with money and all that but never forget that your journey started with yourself acknowledging that you're creative and nowhere during that point in time it was about money I hope not so it wasn't about money that even when you become a rich creative person never forget the seed the, the thing that you know you realise or that acknowledgement because I feel it's so important once you think it's about the money, you're going to put money first before you do the thing that's creatively correct. And if you don't find honesty in yourself, then you might be wasting time. You're probably better than something else. So I, I think that's that's really important to have that honesty and to, to not let money or material things cloud your creative mind. Because I, I can bet you, as a human being, you know, the legacy you leave behind as a creative person, whether in songs, in books, in movies, will outlast whatever material things that you have gained because you can't take it with you anyway. Mozart is still alive in our consciousness because of the work he's done. We're still reading books from dead authors and we're watching and re-watching movies from uh, Kubrick and because of their work, they are still alive. So if you want to be rich, then your business is business. Your business is not creative. Be honest about that too. But I know creativity is business too. Uh, sure. But what I'm saying is, uh, you know, never forget that seed, that, that thing that gives you the power to, to do all this. Whatever it is that you want to do, being a painter or a singer or a dancer or whatever. I think these things are, I feel, very important. And once you have all this, I feel, don't be an asshole. I think that's so important too. Appreciate that you came on the show, uh, kid. You're a great guy and uh, you've got a great story and you've had a, a pretty incredible journey. And I love how it started. It started with you knowing what you wanted to do and not letting anything get in your way. Thanks so much, Mom. If you enjoyed the Pure Now show, 
You can check out more episodes at balancestudio.tv or anywhere fine podcasts are broadcast. Pure Now is produced and engineered by Hi Ha Dang. Thanks so much for watching.